You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So, very good day. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast for the 15th of August, 2023. Got another hot day. It's not too bad, actually. I've got to say, it has been worse. But the uh, the heat gets to you sooner or later. Let's go west, and uh, we should find Neil with similar weather. So, a very good day. Welcome to you, Neil. And is your weather the same as ours? Well, it's, it's blustering. We've not even got. We've had that little bit of a breeze the last couple of days, but this morning when I went walking, it was nothing. It was absolutely boiling. So, but it's well in shade. It was thirty-two when I went out. But we have what we have a thermometer outside in shade, and boy, it felt a lot, felt a lot more than thirty-two. Trust me. Well, I seem to. Anyway. Re- I seem to remember most years we've we've had sort of little periods of time like this and I think um, the only thing for me that seems to have changed is it seems to have come a bit earlier and hopefully if it does cool down at the end of the next week or so then you know we're back to the normal pattern really aren't we? Yeah yeah. I mean it's summer, August, July and August are always blistering but it started in June after we had that big rainfall we had that one dosing didn't we? Yes. For a full day a real good dosing for gardens and that and then from there, it's just got hot, 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 hot. But first of December, when the uh, September, sorry, when the uh, humidity, it just seems to disappear overnight, and it's beautiful then. Yeah. Well, I've got, um, you know, obviously like yourself, you've been looking at all the football and uh, the, I mean, it just seems to have come back so quickly, almost like, you know, the plan is to keep us all so busy that uh, we're just looking at football all year round while they're getting on with other things. You know, I don't know if yeah. you've um, noticed, but apparently one of the hospitals in uh, Valencia is bringing back the masks. So, I mean, that lasted, what, a couple of weeks with no masks? Well, they're bringing them back. Well, they're saying that in the Valencian community, it's down to each individual hospital, but you know what it's like. I mean, the minute you say that, there'll be quite a few that will say, right, bring the mask back, won't they? No, not, I'm not going through all that lot again, are we? God, Benny. I hope not. I mean, I mean, that's best. You see one person sat in a car with a mask on. I mean, hang on a minute. What are you doing? Oh no, I can't be doing with that again. Okay, well let's see yeah. if we we see if we can get you a few things that are a little bit uh, less than usual as we look at. Um, yeah, we will do this one, the first one. Okay, so um, you're a seasoned traveller. I've been round a couple of times the same block at the moment. Uh, but I've got a picture in front of me of a woman who was caught walking across Rome's iconic Trevi Fountain. Now, what's she doing? She's filling up her water bottle in the latest of shocking incidents of tourists 
defacing Italian monuments. This is uh, obviously on social media, as you'd expect. The unidentified woman is seen standing in the middle of the landmark and allowing the fountain water to fill up a bottle. The woman ignored signs posted round the fountain, advising tourists not to step foot in the water. And the video ends with a police officer approaching her. Video of the July event at the Trevi Fountain comes just weeks after a Californian man filmed two tourists etching their names into the wall of the Colosseum. Now, um, you know, I know that you've been to many, many places. Uh, have you been to Rome? No. Okay. No, I'm not. No. Uh, well, I, I, I wanted to make sure... I want I've, to... I've seen this. I've seen them on Trevi Fountains and all that, you know. But uh, no, I've not. I've not been to Rome at all. Well, as you know, I went uh, November of last year, so I didn't want to come on strong because obviously, if you'd been there, then obviously I'd need your opinion rather than mine. But um, you know, they, they are rather special. These places uh, around the globe, Rome in particular, I found absolutely astonishing. It was just wonderful. And to think that you've got people now that think that, you know, traditions, values, cultures mean nothing. Was it stage managed? I'm not sure. Um, the other one did show you a couple of idiot English people who were scratching the names on the um, the wall of the Colosseum. But, I mean, I don't know about you. I just give up. I'd, I don't know what's got into these people. Just, just give them six weeks in prison. I'll do it again. I think yeah, I'd, yeah. I. Yeah. I mean, the, the old saying is, "When in Rome, you do as the Romans do, don't you?" But I yeah. mean, that is ridiculous. You know, filling water bottles up out of, you know, it's basically a shrine type place, isn't it? You know, yeah. And then scratching, scratching your name, Kevin, Julie, or whatever. You know, it's it's a nonsense. Defacing, you know, all these buildings. Just get them, send them into clink, unless you can give them the punishment. Then everybody will start having a go. Well, as you know, um, a big part of what we do with the podcast is we're looking at things that don't get the exposure or don't get sensible exposure or don't get really the the importance which really underpins the article. Because quite frankly, uh, you can see that they've managed to, um, I say they, we're not sure who they are, but, you know, we know the media is owned by two major companies, so that's all the media in the world. If they keep showing pictures of people who don't respect these places of tradition, then sooner or later we don't have the tradition and we don't have the culture. So for my mind, this is either somebody who is totally and utterly uneducated or a bit stupid, or it's a very clever way of undermining our culture and the things that we've all grown up with. I don't know which one I'd go with at the moment. Uh, because yeah. I, I... You see, these idiots, they don't respect other people's values and, as you say, culture and, you know, and, and manners and everything else. But once you start, you know, it's like wooden horse a try. Once you, the doors open and they all start it, it goes everywhere then. You know, they don't give a monkeys about anything. And it's just all wrong because... They just get a 50 quid fine or, you know, or a slap on wrist, don't do it again, and this, that, and the other. No. Give them a punishment. that It, it sends the message out not to do these things. Well, I don't, you know, know, I don't know whether or not you've seen anything that's on uh, in the papers in, in the last day or so, but 
Um, California, for example, lawlessness. You've got people just walking into the supermarkets and robbing the place now. So really, my feeling is that this is part of an overall plan uh, to destabilize the Western way of world, the way of, that we've all grown up, and the way that democracies have managed to survive. I think this is another communist tactic, personally. Well, we've seen it in London. They just walk into these uh, co-op shops and just start checking all the cigarettes, all the, the bottles of whiskey, brandy and all that. And just, you know, uh, and we know who they are, you know. They, they, you know, they're not the local people, are they? Well, and I mean... Then they just, and they just go out as all, you know, it's just a normal day shopping, but they don't, they don't pay for anything. But, I mean, it's like, really, I, I think the Chinese can see that the democracies are policed by consent. So they're trying a new tactic. I mean, if you look at even things like the Just Stop Oil, it's obvious that the police are either swamped or they've been told not to respond. I'm not too sure which way I, I would think about that. All I do know is that it's really another tactic which seems to be destroying our way of life. That's the way I see it. You see, it, stop the boat, stop this oil, stop all that. Yeah. But if they put that to a referendum in the UK, it should be something like 90% to get it all stopped and, and start punishing properly. You know? Well, I mean, it's you know, like... All the, all the slow, yeah. I mean, they, they keep saying we're in this... Uh, cost of living crisis and we keep letting more and more and more come in and all these are saying well they're quite welcome here because they won't be on your doorstep lady mm. you know they make you laugh well, well all these wokes well they do because uh, just as you were just saying about if they had a referendum look at the transgender stuff that's yeah. 0.3 of a percent and then letting it uh, the, the tail is definitely wagging the, da the dog with that one you, yeah. you look at the TV, suddenly all of the British population is black. You know, I've got yeah. nothing against black people. I, I've got many friends that are black. But, you know, yeah. that that doesn't explain to me why suddenly all the advertising is changing the demographics of the British people. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Maybe some of it's our own fault. Let me pick up this article and see if you think this one. Okay, so is it all our own fault or, you know, possibly too many things have not been challenged in the past? The lawns of King's College, Cambridge, was what I was looking at, unusually finding themselves at the centre of a sexism row. This is a, female, a feminist academic posed on one of the lawns for a photo. Dr. Charlotte Proudman. <laughs> Good name, isn't it? Very appropriate. A barrister and research associate in gender inequality at the university has accused a student of male entitlement after he told her to keep off the grass. She's 35. Uh, told her Twitter followers that as she posed for a photograph on the front lawn, a white male student shouted her, if they catch you, you'll get chucked out. She says she retorted that I belong here. My portrait hangs in the college chapel. 
not his. King is a, is a beautiful college and has always welcomed me. It's like a second home. The academic went on. Uh, the comments made by this man are not a reflection of the college. He may have been a student elsewhere, rather than reflect male entitlement and deep-rooted belief that women like me don't belong. And then it goes on to say that college rules stipulate that those PhD students that have completed their PhD, associate fellows and mature master's graduates are allowed to walk on the lawns, but students are not. All right. So well, it's one law for one and no law for the other then. Well, isn't that the, isn't that the big reason why somebody would shout something like, you know, if you get caught... You get yeah. chucked off. I mean, this woman because must... Because he, he, he's a student, probably, that he don't walk on it, but she can go on there and, and pose for photos on the on the, on the the lawn because they're, they're a bit higher up, they've got a better degree than him, you know. Well, you know, all this nonsense has been going on for a while now, and I think every time we do a podcast, we're talking about how stupid it is. Now, if uh, it's bad enough maybe trying to keep people off good grass because you don't want to make it all um, laid bare because of people treading on it. But if the college rules, I'm going over over what it says, stipulate that if you've completed your PhD, associate fellows and mature master's graduates are allowed to walk on the lawns, but students are not. I mean, that's balmy. I know. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, please do not walk on the grass. Unless you're a mature student has passed all your master's degrees and this, that and the other, then you can. But for all us local riffraff, we can. Well, I mean, that's almost, as, that's almost as bad as some of the things that we've had in our own English history. You know, um, like people putting signs up in the, in the windows of guest houses, you know, no blacks, no dogs allowed, no Irish. I mean, come on. This is, that's the same sort of thing. It's a little bit uh, maybe not quite as debased as that, but it's still the start of something that you'd wonder how they've got away with that one for a while, wouldn't you, really? Exactly, yeah, yeah. I think if no, I... No, no travellers, no dogs, no this, no that, no the other, yeah. I think yeah. If, if I'd been in that particular um, King's College... Um, I think I would have been challenging that one fairly quickly. You know, I'd be putting. It's, it was like when I went to see uh, Bilbao Football Club, and big signs saying, "You know, you can't put your foot on the uh, on the the pitch." So, of course, as soon as the guide's got his back to us, what do you do? <laughs> put your yeah, pitch on. Walk on pitch, have a ball. Yeah. Get off as quick as you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely daft. Okay, let's move on then. Uh, where are we going? Um, here we go. Okay, now there's an actor that I'm pretty sure you you're like me. I quite like the guy, Griff Reese Jones, um, and he was going on about. Um, he, he was saying, "I don't really, I didn't really buy a second home in Wales. I bought a second village. Well, it was a farmstead littered with old buildings. It was out by Stumblehead, 
um, in the far west of West Wales. There, there were and still are loads of decaying farm buildings across this very rural and very beautiful uh, part of Wales. And of the £28 billion spent in the UK by international tourists in 2019, only £515 million was spent in Wales. It's extraordinary and sad. The most glorious part of the UK missed out in favour of places like the Cheddar Gorge, uh, not that the Welsh Labour leader, Mark Drakeford, is exactly helping matters. So what's he having to go at? He's having to go at this business of the Welsh minister trying to um, get rid of um, foreign visitors to Wales, by the looks of things. Have you been following any of that? It's, it's like a second homes thing, isn't it, that, they, that they're trying to stop. I mean, they should have stopped it in Cornwall and Devon years ago to let... You know, they let the locals build the houses for the kids that are growing up there, that are going fishing and this, that and the other. But I think it's all to do with, I mean, Lake District as well. You know, most of them, most of the people down in London have setting homes up in, in, in Lake Districts and stuff like that. You've got, you've got to have a fine balance with it. Do you, do you want the money to come in? But is it at the expense of your, your own kids when they grow up? There's no houses for them to, you know, to work, you know, stay in their own um town or village, you know, and, and find work and, and have their own houses. It, it's it's one of them balances where, you know, you'll get one saying, yeah, but all these, they're, they only come for two weeks a year and then that house is empty for the rest of, you know, rest of the year. It, it doesn't seem right, that. But I get I get where, you know, I, it's do we want the money into the, you know, into the village or, but do, do you make enough money that it, it it, it damages your family, you know, to, to get on the housing market. Well, I mean, I suppose just as we were talking, I was getting a picture in my mind of people in big towns and cities anyway, and uh, they invest in property so that obviously you don't particularly mind people, um, you know, they'll get tenants in or sell it or whatever, you know. But which, whichever way you look at it, there's a bit of a similarity in the respect of somebody saying Manchester or Liverpool buying a property down in Wales or Cornwall or somewhere else as a second uh, or a property for um, you, you know for the holidays. Now you know, the, I suppose the principle is if you can afford it, um, then it's up to you what you buy and where you buy it. Whereas the other argument, which you're quite right to to sort of mention is the fact that if you're living in Cornwall and you can't get a house because those properties are bought and may be empty for three quarters of the year uh, because of people buying second homes, I suppose really, um, as a politician, it's quite hard to actually draw the line between being sensible about something that's a problem and just being sort of somebody that's trying to get more votes from the indigenous population, if you like. That's suppose that's yeah. that's part of yeah, it, isn't that's, it? That's what I'm saying. It's a fine balance of, you know, you let these people buy these houses, at the, you know, at the cost of their own kids when they've grown up. They can't get get out housing on thing because once they start, isn't it funny? It's always these nice places, you know, yeah. these nice villages. And all that, that all these want to go and buy it because they get out of the rat race for a, a weekend or a couple of weeks a year or whatever, and and then leave it empty for the rest of the year when you know the local people could have been making use of 
houses for everybody, you know. Well, we kind of get... I say, it's a very fine balance. Mm, I, I know for me, when I was living in Cornwall... Uh, th- this came up time and time again about, you know, uh, the Cornish people not having enough uh, housing stock. Now, if you contrast that with Spain, and I think this is why people don't really see the problem as being a very similar problem, but there's a different way that it, it, it goes. Uh, and what I'm saying is if you look at Spain, Spain is uh, nearly four times the size of England. Um, it probably is four times the size of England, actually. And then the population of Spain is about 50 million as opposed to 70 million or, or probably more by the time you count the people that can't be counted uh, because of, obviously they never go into the um, the polling yeah. booths and things like that and go yeah. on the electorate. Um, but, I mean, you've, you've got a much reduced space because people here... Um, you know, they actually only live really, I suppose, mainly around the coasts. But when you go to the weekend, you can clearly see there's stacks of people who've got a second home that come away and seem to be able to handle that without this constant cry of people from Valencia have to go away from Valencia to um, make a living and then come back to live in Valencia. Maybe yeah, it's yeah. maybe it's not quite so bad. Maybe really um, the, the British problem is a lot bigger because it's a lot more about the rental property than about the young person going to travel. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 when, when you look, you know, you got, you, once you come away from seaside and you come in a few kilometres and this, that and the other, you find out that parts of these villages, like Pollock, there's only about, there's 5,000 people in Pollock, but I bet there's only 1,000 that own all all the buildings, you know. Yeah. But they keep the, they keep the rents low for, for the locals, you know. And they would, they'd never sell off, you know, to to some, you know, somebody from London or, you know, Manchester or wherever, because that's in their family's interest, you know. And they'll build another one on it. You know, when somebody gets, you know, coming up for 20-year-old, they'll build another nice little house for them. You know, they don't want great big mansions and all that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, as, as I say, it's a real dodgy thing, that. You know, these councillors and, and all this, that. You know, oh, well, yeah, well, it's only, it, well, it's only a couple that's having them. And then all of a sudden, there's two hundred got them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's no houses. You know, there's no houses for for the for the locals. You know. I don't think you 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 don't seem to have the outrage here in Spain uh, as you do in England. And well, certainly we're talking about Wales. Uh, Wales is. I remember even sort of when I was in my twenties, Plaid Cymru and uh, you know the the Nationalist Party. Uh, they were very very. In fact, they were blowing place um, ha- damaging the houses, weren't they? They uh, sort of setting setting them on fire. And then when I went down to Cornwall and uh, they had Mebin Corno down there, which was basically, again, you know, uh, uh, Cornwall for the Cornish type of thing. You know, uh, we don't really seem to see that much of that sort of thing. I mean, I know there's a party called Amunt, which is the Valencian party, but you don't really see them going on about uh, Valencia for the Valencians, do you? No, no. You see, because there's quite a lot of land, isn't there? You know, in Spain. Yeah. You know, you know. So you you've no chance of getting one on coast. So you go towards these little villages and this that, and the other, and there's plenty of space. And there's a few. You know, you can see what's going on again now. With you know, when we had the crash in 2008. Yeah. 
and and everybody were getting thrown out of their homes. Well, they, they started this again now, haven't they? Massive, yeah. massive yeah. building going on around us here. Yeah. You know, and it's like, hang on a minute, have you not learnt from last time? Well, you know, you know what I mean. I when think... when uh, supply and demand got chipped on its head, and all all these empty houses and banks were pulling them back left, right, and centre. You know, it, you've you've got to have a balance with between houses and and, and properties for, for the locals and for people that want holiday homes. You mm-hmm. know, you've got to get it right. Otherwise, you, it just ends up in the right mess again, and then the big crash comes, and then everybody's you know, getting houses repossessed because of this, you know, because of the crash. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, So we're off to see the Boy Scouts and the Girl Guides next. So let's see where we're going with this one. Here we go. Okay, scout leaders have outraged parents with a woke-style guide that condemns traditional terms including girl guides. It also calls for postmen to be called postal workers and firemen to become firefighters, stating that terms should not presume men are the default, but the A to Z guidance on words and phrases for those writing material for the it says a 113-year-old now organisation has sparked fierce criticism from them. The mother of one child who attends a scout group in Derby told the Sunday Express, Life is confusing enough. I thought the one place they could be free of this nonsense would be the scouts. While scout chiefs insisted, no words are banned. The guidance is unequivocal in parts. It states, refer to guides rather than girl guides. Never use he or his to cover all genders. Use they or there on rearranging maybe the sentence. For example, rather than the winner should collect his prize, you're supposed to say the winner should collect their prize. Uh, Don't use terms that presume men are the default. For example, don't use postmen or firemen when postal workers or firefighters would do. It's also humankind, not mankind. Actor and comedian cover people of all genders. It continues... Family details and marital statuses are rarely relevant unless the story is about family or marriage. Don't describe a woman as a mother of three or define her using her partner's identity. While the guidance is not for the children attending scout groups, the fact such politicised language has been endorsed by the organisation has still left parents concerned. So back to this Derbyshire mother, who asked not to be mentioned, uh, or named should I say, uh, said, it's shocking. It's like they're trying to erase what a boy and a girl is. Children of that age just need to be left alone and allowed to develop. She added, I just want my child to become more confident and empowered about life and not constantly fear of saying the wrong thing. Another parent said, I cannot understand it. Why can't they be left alone? It comes after the Scouts were criticised for advertising for eight equality, diversity and inclusion roles earlier this month. A Scouts spokesperson said, Scouts is open to everyone. We welcome all young people and adults. We have a style guide 
but it's not a set of rules and no words are banned. We aim to be welcoming to every family and use the words that match the ambition. Now, that's a big, long-winded article. Sorry it took so long to get it all out. But, I mean, that is just really a load of hot air, isn't it? Dib, dib, dib. Dob, dob, dob. Ah, Kayla. Marvellous. See, I were a Boy Scout. <laughs> I were in Cubs first. Then I were in Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, the boys and girls, the girl guides. They're for females. You know, they got on together, all the girls got together, you know, like women have coffee mornings now. They, they were probably all in, in, you know, in girl guide. And those men go and have a coffee. You know, boy scouts, men's scouts, whatever you want to call them. But it's absolute dribble. Just let them be boy scouts or cubs or girl guides or what, whatever the, the the one before that is for little, you know, little ones. I can't remember what it is for girls now. But anyway, but let them just get on with it. And they were learning things. You know, we were learning how to make a fire, you know, with two sticks of wood and all this lot. And they were doing cooking. That, that's a, another one of my, my calls when they took domestic science out of schools. But they were learning and they went home and they helped the mother, you know. To, Mum, can can, I, can you show me how to do this cake and this? And they grow up as, you know, lovely women and, and great lads, you know. Yeah. It's just a load of nonsense. It's them there, this, that, the other. No firemen and firewomen you know well, well if you're a woman it's a firewoman if, you, if you're a man it's a fireman it's a milkman a milkwoman if um if you go back to something that i talk about a lot which is joining up the dots realistically you in other articles we've discussed we've got the education um sir part of the system which is basically trying to bring in all this woke stuff You've now got the NHS talking about, instead of a mother, a birthing, birthing person. I mean, for goodness yeah. sake. Yeah. Do you know what? Do me a favour. It, it's, it's just, it's almost like somebody is paid to sit in an office and dream up nonsensical things that will create a problem. I think exactly. I think there is a department, the, the, the Department of Nonsense and uh, Spoiled Tradition. I mean, it's just... It goes on and on and on. And, I mean, if, you were, if you're going to look anywhere to find people who are very aware of gender, believe me, from what we had in our lifetime of growing up, you'd always go and have a peep round the Boy Scouts or the Girl Guides, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's how it is. You know, that it, Boy Scouts... Yeah, we were climbing trees and using their compasses, you know, when they used to set us into little blocks, small woods or whatever, and you had to go and find, you know, you had to go and find things, but use your little map and your, and your um, compass, you know. <laughs> and, and girls were doing what girls like to do, you know, whether it be knitting, sewing, cooking, you know, whatever. And, and there were sports for the girls as well. So don't keep telling us we're not boys and we're not girls. We're them, there, there, us, there. No, no. The boys, the girls, the men, the women. Well, I think, you know, even more so because of what I was just uh, insinuating, if you go back into when we were growing up, there were always a few funny fellas that managed to get into the Boy Scouts. Like, you know, you, you'd have a nudge, nudge, wink, wink with the men of the cloth. 
you know, there were always yeah. certain places where if you have to keep an eye on your kids and make sure they're safe, unfortunately, that's where these fellas and, and you know, strange people would migrate, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you with that one. Okay. Oh, dear. Let's move on, then. I'll go to the next one. So uh, we'll go to... Here we go. Okay, now, um, I know that if you are still smoking, you're a smoker. I've never smoked, but I read this and I thought, I'll have a chat with Neil about this. Messages encouraging smokers to quit could be added to the inside of cigarette packs under proposals being considered by the government. The inserts would set out the, the health and financial benefits of quitting and direct people to the support they may need. The Department of Health said quitters can expect to see improvements to their breathing within a matter of days. A 50% reduction in the risk of a heart attack within a year and save £2,000 a year on average. A consultation launched today, which runs until October, is seeking views on the proposals and the design of the inserts. You're a smoker or you have been a smoker. Would it really make that much difference if you put an insert telling people the dangers of smoking? Not one iota. I'm still a smoker. I have been all my life, and I'm not changing now. I've seen people really go down when three of my friends died, you know, very early through giving up smoking because your body's... I know it's uh, the nicotine, you know. Your body starts to crave when you start giving up. And unless you've got something that that can replicate it, then there's no problem. But I've got lungs hanging out here on, on cigarette packets. I've got... Uh, all my teeth have dropped out and my hair fell out and I've got all kinds of horrible pictures and my heart's gone black and my lungs are black and all that lot. But it's it's an addiction. But I'm paying tax on my addiction. Yeah, I'm paying more tax than anybody because I'm a smoker and that's that's my you know that's my thing. But these these druggies now, or if you alcoholic, you can get sixty quid a week to buy beer. Well, how does that work? Nobody's giving me 60 quid a week to buy me packs because, but because they're getting taxed on it all the time. You know, we're getting taxed and we're paying tax into it. But, no, it wouldn't make any difference because if you if you can't see it on the outside, yeah, where so on, on one of these packets I've got, they were copying blood up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Next, you turn it on back and the, this lung's jet black and, you know, all mouldy and all this lot. Right. So why would you want to put something inside that you can't see? Because when you open up the, the top, the flip top, all you can see is, is the top of your cigarettes. No, I'm... I'm so who's coming up with all these ideas and, and, and things? You're thinking, oh, it'll make people stop. And as far as the lung capacity goes, let's try obesity first, because at one time they brought in a thing that if you smoke, you couldn't get a, an operation. Now, there's millions and millions of people, obese, that can't breathe, they can't walk because the legs won't stand them. They need knee operations, hip operations, and this, that, and the other. Well, let's start taxing the food that's causing them. You know, if you're going to do it for one, then let's do it for all. Alcoholics, they carry on drinking. 
you know, and I'm a drinker as well. But we're paying tax on that. But all these lot, you know, they, they keep coming in with this, oh, you'll breathe better. Oh, you'll be able to do more exercise. No, they don't do any exercise in the first place, so they're not <laughs> going to do it if they give up smoking, are they? No. You know, yeah. Well, that's me ramp. That's me ramp for today. Yeah, but we've—I mean, we've known each other for a long time. I don't think I've ever—I've re- never really had a go at you about smoking because basically, I respect that when you've got to a certain age, um, you know, you've decided you want to smoke, and when all's said and done, um, as long as you do what you do, because I've seen you doing it, you'll go outside and yeah. go away from people. You don't come and uh, breathe your smoke I'll, over everybody. I'll never go. In, I'll never. I won't. Even when restaurants, you could go and smoke in restaurants or. In places uh, when the pubs brought the food in, you know, and you could still smoke there. I'd never do that. I'm not blowing. I'm not. Don't want to put my smoke in other people's faces that are non-smokers because I know it, it, it's horrible, right? I mean, if I could turn back time, you no, know, sixty years, I probably wouldn't touch one. Yeah. You know, I, I tell old grandkids, well, whatever you do, don't follow your granddad. Don't start, you know, having. Don't even have a drag of one. Just stay away from it. And and what really gets on my, my other thing, uh, on, on these beaches here, yeah, they, they're going to ban smoking. Now, when I go on a, on a beach, I take a butt bucket with me. So I put me dimp into the butt bucket, right? Mm-hmm. All these people come on with all these uh, burgers, chips, sandwiches, uh, plastic bottle water, yeah. plastic bottle uh, Coca-Colas, all this, that, and the other. We've seen Benidorm Beach, it gets cleaned every night and Ubered every night, right? Yep. And you get people moaning about cigarette butts. Just hang on a minute. Even if, let, let's put it one for one then. Cigarette butts are about, what, half an inch, right? Yeah. Right. And you, you, you're letting all these bottles and, and all these bits of, uh, you know, plastic wrappers uh, and all this, that, and the other. And they can leave them on there, and they're not getting fined or not being told you can. So, you know, do me a favour. As I say, I've never smoked in restaurants or anywhere where... And if I go to somebody's house, you know, like I've been to your house, you know, I wouldn't just light up your house. I say, Vince, I'm just nipping outside, just have a quick cigarette. You know, it's it's just normal courtesy. But don't come bleating to me about, you know, smoking... And and putting pictures inside where they'd be no good anyway because all the cigarettes are in there. Yeah. What are you going to have a do? Like a jack in a box going, oh, don't smoke, it'll damn, you know, damage your health. Well, we not, we've <laughs> said that for the last 50 years. Yeah. And it's not stopped anybody smoking. You know. I, as I say, you see, it's, it's, it's this department of nonsense again. It's just to get us all yeah. talking. And, and, and uh, I would imagine they want people to argue with each other, you know, because basically... Yeah. My stance has always been exactly the same. I don't smoke. I would advise you not to smoke. But once you've decided you're going to smoke, it's your decision. It's nothing to do with me. Okay, I'll move on to another one. Uh, So, here we go. Okay, so French rescuers reached a migrant boat which sank in the English Channel, killing six people 15 minutes after the RNLI vessel arrived. 
despite it happening only five miles from the French coast. So, um, it goes on to say that sources have claimed all this and major questions were raised over how France's authorities responded to the incident on the Saturday, which saw at least 58 people, many of them Afghans, rescued after the boat got into difficulties off the coast of Sangat on Saturday. The accounts of survivors suggested about 65 people had boarded the overloaded vessel before a passing ship saw it sink in and raised the alarm at around 4.20 a.m. Uh, I mean, the whole thing is an absolute shambles, but the French weren't too competent with that, were they? Well, we've been giving them 50-odd million and 60 million, you know, to stop them getting on these boats on the beach. We're paying for their police to police that beach. So... And it's like five miles, yeah, yeah, and, and fingers are at 22. Right, well, it's all right. Look, isn't it funny? All them in channel, all the fish in channel are French, you know, are French, so they can, they can, they can uh, go fishing for it. And it's not ours. But hang on, if it's, if it's illegal immigrants or boat people or whatever you want to call them, and the minute they get on that boat, but we're paying £57 million a time, for the police to stop them getting on the boats. So when them boats appear on the beach, just pop them. And then they can't get on them. It's the yeah, silence. So what were we spending this, what were we spending this uh, part, uh, 57 million uh, pounds on to stop these getting on the boats? It's, it's the silence of the politicians that makes me laugh because, you know, the various home secretaries that we've had who are not, shall we say, traditional English type of people, um, they've all said exactly the same thing. Oh, we're going to sort this out. We're, go we're not going to let this happen. And yet, if anything, I think this year's got as bad, if, uh, w if not worse than other years, hasn't it? It's, yeah, it has gone worse, yeah. And, and then the minute... The minute they come up with an idea of, like I said before, <coughs> when they get off the boat, put them on the plane, take them to Uganda, show them how to fill a farming, tell us where they're from and how old they are and, you know, whatever you do for, you know, for, for come and live in the UK. Because if, they, if they're proper migrants, that, there's no problem with them. Once they get the paperwork, you fetch them back from Uganda and do what, what we, we've always done. But these lot, not got any papers, nothing and all that. And when I go back, if I've got to go back to, to see family and all that, I've got to check every bit of paper in the world with me. No, I, How I, does that work? I think the other thing is um, that if you look sensibly at these boats coming across, you can quite clearly see that it is all young men. Give or yeah. take the exception every now and again, but mainly it's a group of young, fighting fit men. Now, there's only a couple of things that I feel really I can understand. One is if maybe uh, it's a plant and these are going to be there ready to do whatever is asked when whatever is asked is asked. Uh, either that. The only other thing that would make sense to me is the constant football that people are watching uh, showing you quite clearly that the Premier League is the best of the lot and that that's where you'll make a stack of money if you ever do get spotted playing football. Now, I could understand some of that being in young lads' uh, minds if that's what they're doing before they come over to the UK. 
Does that make sense to you? Yeah, because we have scouts all over the world. You know, looking at looking at kids. You know, looking at kids from sometimes. Well, some are in academies in the UK, so there must be academies in Spain and everywhere else. Yeah. And we have scouts looking at them and thinking, oh, well, we'll take a chance on these, you know, and fetch them over and then they get educated and, and, and all that. I haven't got a problem with migrants or people wanting to better themselves. What I have what I have got a problem with, they're all, as you say, young men, right? They keep saying they're from war-torn countries. Well, they're not. And when they land a, a first one, then there's, there's another eight countries that they've got to get through till they want to get in England. Sort the benefits out. Do not give them anything. And if these walks keep coming, uh, uh, oh, uh, they're living in a tent. Well, they were living in a mud hut not ten minutes, you know, not uh, two days ago. We know war there and all that. So yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's all them that, you know, it won't affect them. They're saying, well, we'll put them up in hotels and we'll put them up in this and now this barge and all this malarkey. No. If they're not legally here, if they're illegal, you send them straight back and let them go through the proper channels to fill in the forms. And if, if they pass everything that, we, you know, we stand for, in, or what we stand in the UK for, then they, they, they're welcome. They can come on a plane then because they'll have a, a visa to show at the, at the docks or, at the, you know, at the uh, airports. But no, they keep saying, oh, it's from war-torn countries. And, you know, and these hotels, you know, they're not, they're not really up to scratch for them when they've been, you know, they're in a mud up like three, three weeks before, before they set off. But you and I both, we've talked about this long and hard for, for years now. And, you know, when you've got uh, an odd story, then maybe you'll accept it as the exception. But when you've got guys who go in and they end up stealing cars or raping or doing these sorts of things that uh, we see in the papers, either these stories are planted there to make us annoyed or something is going on and they don't know how to assimilate and obviously you know, they mustn't be getting any sort of a guidance as to what's accepted and what's not accepted. That's the, the well, farce of it, isn't it? Well, it's just like the wooden horse of Troy, this, isn't it? I think so. Because what, what, once, they're, once they're all over the country, the, the, the minute really they get off that boat, they can just wander off somewhere else, can't they? You know, nobody's keeping a, a real eye on them because you, that, that's the best. With this uh, bivy thing, that this uh, boat... Yeah. Uh, if, it, if it's too late that they got up, they can get a free taxi into town to go and meet friends or, pe or other people, and then when it's too late to get back, they can get a free taxi again back, and, the, and there's food there all day, every day. There's uh, classrooms and all sorts. But people are saying, just hang on a minute. What's up? They're getting all this. Have you seen how many ex-servicemen are on the streets? Can't get a house. You put, you put, ask all these uh, ex-soldiers and this, that and the other that are struggling, would they prefer to go on there that's being fed all day, being watered all day, getting free taxis to go into, into town and this, that and the other? Let's look after our own first. It's all right, keep going on. And, and as far as Keir Starmer's on about it, well, oh, the only thing I heard him say was, well, we might have to use them just for a little bit, for, for a while. What? Mm -hmm. No! 
Give well, it our service, man, and let them let them have it. I remember back in the eighties when I when I was um, getting ready to go and start me teaching, and based around the things that we were looking at then, we were looking at the leisure um, society that was coming, and which of course we are part of now. And I remember that even then the prisoners. Not the immigrants, because that was never the question. But we had people who were in prison were getting paid. They were being given all much better facilities than any students that were supposed to be learning, you know, the parts of the leisure industry, like the weightlifting and the golf and, uh, you know, all the other sorts of things. So uh, it's, it's either one of two things. Either it's part of a plan or governments, one after the other, have just been totally and utterly useless. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I mean, we've had this we've had this problem, but not as big, haven't we? As yeah. people coming over, and when did they come over? If they didn't measure up to the, you know the forms that you have to fill in and this that, and the other, then they got sent back. Now, because they're coming over in droves, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, you know, oh, oh dear, oh, what, what 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 shall we do about that? They just turn a blind eye to it because it won't affect them, but it will affect. Some of your, you know, some of your grandkids or whatever, yeah. and mine and other people's, and then all of a sudden, like the majority now, right, will be opposite way around. All all people that were born in UK and this, that, and the other, they'll be minorities, and then you, you'll you'll have to do what they're saying, you know. Okay, I'm going to go back to the Ministry of Stupidity next. So uh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, so we were talking um, earlier in this podcast about the um, the midwives. I didn't go deeply into this, but we may as well do it. Midwives have been warned they risk harming trans people who have given birth by calling them mother or mum. NHS, so this is the National Health Centre, a service, protocols tell maternity ward staff that using the traditional terms may amount to misgendering a trans man or non-binary person and damage their mental health. They've even been advised to warn new parents in advance that they will have to refer to themselves as mother on their baby's birth certificates in case it causes them distress. Then it goes on to say it's not just about language. The words used by the NHS show that it is colluding in an ideology that causes great harm. It creates risks for women's safety and privacy. It promotes a narrative that results in vulnerable young people perpetuating, perpetuating catastrophic harm to their own bodies. Nobody likes bans, but should the government ban gender ideology within the NHS... Uh, this is the Daily Mail now, asking all NHS hospital trusts if they had uh, specific maternity or pregnancy policies for trans and non-binary patients. Only a handful did, but several more said they were working on them or updating their procedures. North Cumbria Integrated Care NHS Foundation Trust said its pregnancy policy for staff 
has been updated to remove gender specifics where possible and is now titled Pregnant Employees and New Parents Policy. South Warwickshire NHS Foundation Trust said a birthing person should be treated as a pregnant individual and their pregnancy and birth planning should be individualised to birthing people and their families. Neil, you uh, know, I... Hang on a minute. So can a transgender man have a baby? No. For me, definitely not. Never. Right. Right. Well, he can't, can he? No. You know, biologically, he can't. So what, where's all this coming from? All this nonsense. If, if you're a pregnant woman, you're a pregnant woman. And you will have, you know, a baby that will be either a boy or a girl. So, right. And that's it. But putting all these, these names for all this transgender rubbish that's an absolute joke... It, it just, it really gets on my nerves. Well, it's annoying you know? me as well. I, I, I have to say, Neil, uh, basically, when you look at, uh, w- when we were growing up, my my dad used to say to me, uh, would you put your head in the oven if somebody told you to put your head in the oven? And your obvious no. answer would be, of course I wouldn't. So it's, he would say to me, well, ignore that, whatever it was. If it was rubbish, it was rubbish. I mean, this is absolute rubbish. And if we're talking about the maximum 0.03 of a percentage in the United Kingdom, my question is, why are they giving it so much attention? The only answer can possibly be to undermine stability, to undermine the family, to take away the... The fact that the mother is the person that obviously we talk about when there is a pregnancy. And I don't know if you saw it this morning, but there was a a weightlifting competition and a transgender has won it uh, by about 55 pounds from the previous record. This is in the ladies category. I mean, this it's about time somebody got hold of somebody and said, look, this has gone far enough now. You've had a laugh. You've had a joke. You've seen how stupid the the world can become. We've seen all the sheeple who won't stand up and be counted. Somebody needs to count and stand to be counted for them. That's what I think. Yeah. As I've said before, the 98% of the people, that, uh, the, the 98% of them uh, that are not offended are being ruled by the 2% that are. And how can you ever have that as anything? And going back to this this weightlifting man, right, in the woman's category, well, I mean, come on, do me a favour. So where's it going to lead? All the women can stop this by saying, but what's the point in us entering a weightlifting competition, you know, when he's, he's a six-foot-odd man and this, that, the other, can probably chuck half a ton over the head more than we can. Yeah. So what's the point in entering? There's just no, there's just no you know, validating it, is there? You know. There isn't. I'm going to say. If, if he were that good, then, you know, and, and, and all this, let's, let's get him into cricket thing then. You know, if, you, if you're going to start doing it with cricket and football, and you know, but you'll have men playing in women's football. 
mm-hmm. but you'll not get a lot of women. You'll get a few because there's some of them that are very good playing in man's game. But it wouldn't be the same. It's just not... uh, We're built different, you know. Absolutely. We're biologically different. I want to stop it now. Just go back to calling them transvestites and that's it. Yes. They're men that want to dress up in women's clothing. Yep. Okay, I want to squeeze one last one in because it was something uh, that we talked about last week. If you can hear a load of bangs, Lanoutia's fiestas on and they're setting fireworks off <laughs> in daytime. How does that work? You can't see what colour they are. It's just a puff of smoke. Exactly. So if you hear the bangs, it's just down road from me. And it's money up in smoke, absolutely. Exactly, you know. yeah. I could have done with some of that smoke. <laughs> Adam Taylor and his wife, Carly. These are the people that own the Crooked House. If you remember, we were talking about this particular pub in Himley, yeah. Staffordshire. And yeah. you, and, you and I both smelt a rat. Um, yeah. You know, the blaze came just days after the the 18th century inn was sold to them. Anyway, um, diggers then demolished the historic boozer on Monday without council permission. Please confirm the fire is now being treated as arson. And it emerged the couple had previously bought and allegedly gutted another traditional pub. Um, so these people are from Leicestershire. She controls letting and real estate firms. Um, they bought the pub from the brewery Marston's. Uh, registered to the same address as Himley Environmental, which runs a 37-acre quarry and landfill uh, site, which runs next to the pub. So um, I, 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 I'm, they've gone a bit quiet at the moment, but I will be very surprised if they don't find a little bit more, if they start digging around this one. They just, oh, the, the, the developers, the, 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 aren't they? Yeah, all right, it's melted right straight away. But the, the, the other thing were, the, the, them that demolished it, they put an apology in. They got the wrong house. It should have been Houses of Parliament, the crooked house. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, I picked up, a uh, just to finish off with, I picked up a video of a guy, 19-year-old, left in a state of pure fear. Uh, he's gone the other side of the fence that he should be in and a, a moody bovine chose to charge at him after he tried to approach the animals to stroke them. Anyway, you know, there's somebody videoing him. And, you know, we've probably all been there, and one has probably always gone over to try and uh, see how close they can get to the cows. But when they decide to charge, you don't hang around, do you? Exactly. I mean, let him go and be a bullfighter. Hey, talking about that, there's a a bullfighter in the news today. Um, I think he's from Ecuador, but he was working in Madrid he got gored uh, in the coccyx, right, you know, at the back of the, the bottom, top of his bottom, yeah. if you like. Oh, yeah. painful or what? Oh, um, ooh, not so bad. <laughs> you can forget that, Malarkey. Not for me no, either. No, no, no. no. I've, seen, I've only ever been to one. I thought, I can't, you know, condemn something that I haven't seen. Yeah. And I went to one. And I thought, whoa, hang on a minute. When you see them on television, these bulls, they don't look that big. No. You know what I mean? They look like these things you can have a... Can you hear all that rattling now? Yeah, I can. <laughs> That's the new series, letting them off in daytime. And I went, and they were, t- they were about three foot taller than me. I know, they're I'm huge. Thinking, 
Go on, Benny, you want to you wanna go and stand there with a bit of red cup and let it come running? No, not that for me, thank you very much. But, yeah, I'm, I'm against it. I, I don't like it. OK, Neil. Like it, that's right on the hour. So, once again, a big thank you uh, for being uh, my guest today and obviously doing the podcast as normal. It's our weekly pun podcast for those that are maybe just joining for the first time uh, when we have a look at the papers especially looking at the UK uh, and or Spain and other things that take our, our uh, attention. Neil, have a great week. Thank you very much thank indeed. Alright Vince, I'll speak to you next week. All thank right. you Neil. Bye bye. Lovely. Cheers Paul. Bye bye. Ta -da.